Hey, Pete. Yeah, Aaron? Don't you dare. Everybody, hey Pete. <laughs> I don't know what that sound? was. You know what? <laughs> it's, a, it's a new, it's a new podcast. I'm trying to be. It's a whole, it's a whole new Aaron. It's a whole new Aaron. Hello, everybody. Doctor Nick on this one, on this new podcast. <laughs> flammable and inflammable be the same thing. <laughs> Would be weird if on every podcast that we do, of which there will be thirty to forty. Uh, with we take on different personas, so like you just can't nail us down. Yeah, you can't nail us down, man. We're not we're not gonna become your corporate product, you know, with all the sponsors we have. We're not using blue snowball microphones. <laughs> That'll confuse using... people into thinking we somehow got sponsors for this podcast. We did not. I would love to get a blue snowball uh, sponsorship. That way, uh, I could get another blue snowball, and then I would have two blue snowballs. And then we can finally record in stereo. <laughs> so anyways, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on our new podcast. Um, we're not quite sure. We're actually going to be pre-recording a lot of these, so we don't know the frequency yet. Right now, we're thinking bi-weekly. Uh, but the premise is very simple. This is going to be a little bit shorter than our We Love to Watch episodes, which I'm assuming is at least at this point what brought you here. Uh, and we are going to do kind of a different show where... We are going to alternate daring the other person to experience some piece of entertainment. That We're limiting it to a movie, probably a movie that we would not do on We Love to Watch, uh, a TV show uh, where you can either dare a specific episode or a couple episodes or whatever, whatever you decide. Obviously, you can't say, go watch uh, all 10 seasons of Hill Street Blues. <laughs> um, uh, a video game in the sense that you you know play the first couple levels, play a certain amount of time, or a an album, uh, a music album, as the kids say. And then we're going to be alternating, so it's kind of a chance for us to uh, talk about talk about things that we don't uh, get to talk about on We Love to Watch, whether that's uh, all the other different media that we don't talk about, or just movies that we wouldn't do on We Love to Watch for whatever variety of reasons. Uh, so the only thing, too, is that this is this is going to be a lot more about our experience with a piece of art. So we, no matter what we do, we are not trying to be definitive. We are not trying to tackle big themes. The episodes can be as long or as short as we want to talk about them. But in general, it's kind of about our experience in the thing that our uh, in our that our friend made us do for for good reasons or bad reasons. So I, I'm sure you have a good friend that you experience that you share a lot of uh, the same taste in art, and you're always trying to get them to do something that they're always like, "Yeah, no, I'll get to that movie. I'll listen to that. I'll make time for it." This is kind of our way to uh, do that in podcast form. The best fun is absolutely mandatory. The bet, yeah, the best fun is mandatory and done in front of the full view of your uh, quasi friends. <laughs> uh, quasi friends. Well, Aaron. some more than others. I rounded them up. <laughs> um, so uh, the rules, the rules for the dares are as follows: the media must be readily available. You cannot dare me to watch the, you know, Jimmy. What's his name? 
Yeah. You cannot dare me to watch the Jerry Lewis, uh, the day the cr- clown cried or something like that, unless it becomes available or out of print stuff. This stuff should be in general, uh, at the very least rentable or available pretty cheap. And I think that the cost of getting into Jerry Lewis's vault would be very cheap. So, uh, yes, that would be still in play. Uh, a hook, a hook and a rope, some time, probably flights to fly down to wherever Jerry Lewis lives. Quick answer very quickly. Is Jerry Lewis alive? Yes. Don't know if that's right. Email us at we love to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you um, have Google? We don't. Not right now. Try, Peter, we're trying to trying to record. This is like a new podcast for people, Peter. I feel like I'm a new skin. I feel like a new man. Well, you did skin that hobo. I did. I did. I'm okay. recording this from oh, live from within the skin of a hobo. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm going away <laughs> for a long time. Uh, so it needs to be limited to a movie, a TV show, a video game, or an album. You cannot just say stare at this painting for an hour. Uh, but within that, there's a lot of a lot of possibilities. I'm not opposed to the idea of like go watch the 1988 uh, vice presidential debate. Don't know who would want to listen to that, so maybe we should think about that. But. It's a pretty free experience. Uh, the movies and albums must be experienced in full. Games must be played for at least two hours, and up to three television episodes can be demanded. But again, it's all about what you want the person to experience. But those are kind of the maxes. Uh, and the darer does not need to have familiarity with the entertainment piece or to re-experience it prior to watching. So what that means is that Peter can dare me to do something that I that he's never seen. And in general, probably most of us will not be, if I dare Peter to play a video game, there's a good chance that I'm not going to go back and play it at the same time. So one person may have some very recent memories of uh, experiencing uh, that piece of media, and the other one may have never seen it or uh, may not have experienced it for a long time. Cool, cool. That is basically the show's premise. There's categories to dare. We'll get into that. Kind of a, I want you to like this. I want you to experience this. Uh, I don't want to waste my time on this, but I'm curious. Can you please report back? And kind of just a general fuck you. <laughs> uh, yes. So with that in mind, let's let's get started. Peter is the one who's daring me, first of all. Now, obviously, uh, at this point, we do know what the other person has dared them, or else this would be a kind of a shitty podcast. Mm-hmm. But Peter, you dared me to do something. What did you dare me to do and why? Aaron, I dared you to play a little game called No One Lives Forever. Uh, no One Lives Forever is a sort of British spy parody video game from the early 2000s. And it was a game I was obsessed with on PC. I played the first one and the second one. I love both of them. And I played through a ton as a kid. But I haven't played through them in about a decade. Uh, and I always thought Aaron should play through them. Aaron is someone that I don't think has a very uh, friendly history with first-person shooters. Like yeah, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, I think he's played through a lot of them, but he doesn't necessarily love a lot of them. And then this was one that I thought was goofy and kind of fun and uh, had an aesthetic that he would find pleasing. Uh, so this was not done as a fuck you dare. <laughs> I don't know if it was received as one, but uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, yeah, so actually, so in this era, I should say this is this came out on the PS2 two years after PC, uh, 2002. Uh, and it uh, so this, when it came out, First-person shooters were on console were like essentially my favorite genre of games. This is like post GoldenEye. Uh, they were like releasing those other pretty good Bond releases, like The World Is Not Enough for N64, a uh, Nightfire for PS2. So 
this was like mo- if it was a first person shooter game, I was playing it because it wasn't as much the Mil- Medal of Honor. Uh, those games at the time, um, I loved them. Uh, all spurred on by GoldenEye. So from that perspective, and then once kind of the Call of Duty and the multiplayer stuff came out, I feel like uh, first person shooters changed from this kind of like almost like spy cool base to like this. I don't know, just this thing I dislike in general, to be honest. Halo and, and Call of Duty are not for me. So it's not that I hate the genre, but but ironically, when this game was released, it would have been right up my alley. Now, so I played I played it for uh, about twenty percent of the game. You played it for a little long. Yeah, you 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 played it for a bit longer than I, I uh, anticipated. Uh, I remembered that section that you went through only taking like two three hours, but I very well might have been wrong. So it took me about six and a half hours. Which I'm and sorry. I, I didn't want that. No, to you don't need to be sorry. Like this is this is this is what we're talking about on the show, Peter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not gonna like this stuff. And I this This is not one of those times. This is one of those times. <laughs> uh, but I feel like Damn it's partially it. my so here's Video games are one of those weird things where it's really hard to go home again in a lot of respects. Uh, I'm not gonna get too deep into every time we talk about video games comparing it to Dark Souls, but these kind of like Dark Souls, Mega Man 10 type games, when they're calling back to like a different era, it's like it's it's they're not really because a lot of those old when they say, oh, this is old school Nintendo hard. Those were like frustrating games that when you died, you it wasn't necessarily your fault. So and it would just piss you off, but you might push through because that's the only game that you had rented out <laughs> um, where now it's kind of like, look, there's challenge involved. But when you die, you're not supposed to think, well, that was bullshit and want to turn off the the console. I probably died 150 times at this game. I almost quit uh, at uh, level two, six. And I'll tell tell you why in a second. And I literally kind of powered through like, no, I'm not going to let this game beat me. This is the type of game I would have quit when it came out and been like, fuck that game. This is bullshit. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do the three uh, first levels and all the scenes that I told Peter I would do. So it became like a very personal challenge for me to get through this. But it has a lot of design decisions that are very normal for the era, but were bullshit back then and are bullshit now. And I made it 100% more difficult for myself in a lot of capacities. And uh, we can talk about that. I don't want to keep talking. I probably extended the time for myself and added a lot to my own frustration. And I almost wish I had the time to restart the whole game and see if uh, changing one thing would have led me to a more positive experience overall. Yeah, I mean, your insistence on playing with your toes probably had something to do with it. <laughs> I played with my dick, son. <laughs> Slapping I that dick t- on the old PS2 controller. <laughs> I believe in 2017, every game should be dick playable. Most of the people who play video games are dicks. Mm-hmm. Let's literalize it. <laughs> it's my philosophy. Playing video games uh, often turns me into a dick. Let's play. Let's play a little game. What do you think I did that caused this game to be so difficult for me that I literally realized at the last level when I'm like, well, this is just fucking impossible. The the 3-1 where you're falling out of an airplane. And I was like, this is fucking oh, impossible. I and then I, I was, exactly what it is. And then I was like, I was like, wait a second. What I about that exactly thing I did? Well, that changed this. And I was like, son of a bitch. Was okay. What I've do you think? Three guesses. Uh, okay. First one I think is the right one, which is: uh, Did you play inverted? Nope. 
Uh, did you accidentally play on hard? Nope. Played on easy. Mm, did you four, have... di- four difficulty levels, uh, like easy, medium, hard, super spy or whatever it is. I played on easy because I'm like, well, I just want to get through this for the show. Did you have... So you didn't play inverted. Did you have some sort of fucked up controller thing? Like uh, no. low sensitivity or something? Nope, nope, nope. I, I, I don't know what you could have done. Also, I played this game on PC with a mouse, so it might yep. have very well have been much easier. So probably. So here's the So I went and looked at the Wikipedia for this. Not, you know, you know, it's a video game. Just I'm like, oh, what did the reviews get? What am I getting into? The PC release is like 98%. PC game comes out in 2000. They're comparing it to like, it's like Half-Life and then this. And I can see why. It's got a lot of uh, good comedy. Uh, it's got a lot of variety. It has some good storytelling. And and it definitely a well-designed uh, first-person shooter for the, the era. But then I go and I look at the PS2 version. That version has like review scores in the 50%, in the 60%. And I'm like... Okay, uh, is it a different game? Is the port not good? Like, what do I need to be aware of, right? So I read a couple reviews, and they – honestly, a lot of the reviews were like, look, this was great two years ago, but this now looks like a shitty N64 game, and compared to the other PS2s that – games that we're playing, like, this was great two years ago. It has immediately aged poorly. And from that perspective, I will say, I'm not that big of a graphics guy, but this did look like a PS1 game, not a PS2 or a PC game of the era. But moving past that, it also said, hey, the frame rate is terrible. And this is like 2002 terrible. So maybe like a frame a second. (laughs) And they're like, which is especially, which is especially challenging in a first person shooter game, especially one with an inconsistent auto lock. Uh, There's a a lock on. There's a lock on. I I went game with a lock on PC. So it must have been so much easier on PC that I could get by without a lock on. So I turned off the lock on. I'm like, I don't need the lock on. Not a big deal. I didn't even realize it was a thing because first person shooters are so much about like twitch reflexes. I didn't think well, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, but on a PC, I suppose, especially if you're using a mouse to aim, it's a, it's, you don't really and you're need used it. to a mouse. But, yeah. but games at the time did like GoldenEye is a great, great example of a game that like you put the target anywhere near any, anything and it was like a magnet to the guy. Right. It made you feel like golden. It made you feel like golden. It made you feel like James yep. Bond. It made you feel like like golden eye, <laughs> professional, super sleuth. Um, have you ever have you ever seen the James Bond movie? Peter? Peter. No, <laughs> Peter. Do you think who's that favorite, the next? Who's your favorite character you, in Goldeneye? <laughs> Definitely Goldeneye. <laughs> who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Goldeneye? Well, Goldeneye was great. Also liked Casino Royale. <laughs> that guy was excellent. Big fan of Doctor No. Thought he started off the series right. You know, not a big fan of Never Say Never Again. I feel like that guy really wasn't connected to the rest of these movies. <laughs> I will say I admire the restraint in Goldeneye, which is, I should say, one of my favorite Bond movies. Um, yeah, top my sec- five. second favorite. Yeah, I don't know where it placed exactly in the top five, but it'd probably be like four. Um, I, I admire the <laughs> You restraint. don't know exactly, but here's a, here's a specific number. <laughs> I mean, I might as well pick. You picked a sure. two. Why, why well, don't I pick a number? It's funny that Martin Campbell has directed my two favorite James Bond movies. But that go is funny. And, and he's a thousand years old. So he, uh, the, the, I admire the restraint that they had. That they, after all those silly Bond movies, they, they had a movie called Goldeneye and they didn't uh, have a character with an actual Goldeneye in it. 
It's like a reference to like the the spy satellite or whatever the weapon system that's in space. Like it's there's no actual character. It's like, and it was it was Ian Fleming's uh, like ranch name or something. Yeah, James he lost his eye in Chechnya, and uh, they had to replace it with solid gold. Everything he looks at turns to gold. <laughs> When he goes through security, it's quite a pain in the ass. He has crazy vision. One's normal color. The rest is gold tinted. And it screws up his brain trying to make sense of the image. <laughs> Donna! It's going to make for the worst right. climax in a Bond movie yet. So I was under the impression that the best move here was to turn off the auto lock because between the frame rate and the poor controls, which it said it had, and it, oh my God, it has poor controls, that turning auto lock off would be the best move. I did that and then promptly forgot I did that until the very, until six and a half hours later. Uh, here's the problem. These controls are terrible. They're, they're ones that like, if you're not using any sort of aim assist, it's almost impossible to get someone in your sights if you're close. Because it's one of those things where the slightest tap of your thumb moves uh, moves the cursor more distance than a, than a character is. So it's very picky. So if you were not right on something, it would not register a hit. But if you tapped it the least amount that you could, it would go past the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Finicky. It, it's not... It's finicky. It's, so turning off that auto lock... It's not like a... It doesn't just click to targets like it's supposed to. But you could... Yeah, and you couldn't adjust because if you were close but not there, it wouldn't register the hit. And if you tried to slightly adjust, it would overshoot. So shooting was a nightmare, especially in certain scenes where you needed any sort of precision, which I should say is the first fucking level in this game where yeah, you are operating as a sniper level. And I don't know why it never occurred. Like playing that last level where you're falling out of the plane and hitting tiny targets. Once I realized to turn the auto lock back on was a breeze. It like you got close and it clicked it. I played that first fucking level, which is like two stages that doesn't save between probably 30 times because you basically had one shot to hit the people and if you didn't you had to start the whole thing over and there was like 50 people you had to kill which auto lock uh mouse easy as shit probably but literally having to get right there right on the spot on the target if you were close but no cigar you basically had to restart and like move the cursor move the the aim the crosshairs away and try to get closer it was a literal nightmare (laughs) So I've got uh, two thoughts on that. One is also you, you mentioned that the first level is like divided into two halves on yep. PC. There's not two saving. paths. So that's so that's the other thing that infuriate me. Yep. You, the quick saving on PC is is pretty pretty late for the tough encounters. So that probably would have saved me some frustration if okay that dumb review that said auto aim is a problem was probably right. But it was much more of a problem for me to not have auto-aim on, and I realized it far too late. However, I still think my problems in 2.6 would have would have caused the issue. So, yeah, there's no saving between scenes. So, you, you save on scenes, and that's it. And there's a, a lot of those are really long. If you die, you have to start all the way over at the beginning. Uh, there was tons of encounters. The uh, 1.8, which is the last level of the f- – or the last scene – of the first level, uh, two six, where I was doing these things up to essentially the end, really hard point, and then dying, and then having to go through the whole fucking thing again, over and over and over and over again. 
And those were shitty. Those were shitty designs then, and it's shitty now. And you just don't have the patience. You're just like, oh my god, fuck this. Because again, the targeting is terrible. Uh, enemies can shoot you and cause damage when they're not even pointing their guns at you. Like the second they appear on screen, you will get fired, even if their guns are aimed in in a different direction. You 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 take damage no matter what you do, which is shitty. If you don't have that much life yet, because again, there's no health pickups throughout the entire level, which are divided into between four to eight stages. So you and you do not regenerate health if you die. You do not regenerate health if you go to another scene. And the only thing you can do is get body armor. And that doesn't regenerate if you die or scenes as well. And uh, they move it around in the levels and it is frustrating. So essentially, so you're, you're taking damage no matter what. And so, like, I started the last two levels of the the first – the last two stages of the first two levels with tiny slivers of health and tiny slivers of body armor and then was stuck in the position of trying to get through these fucking levels with no – with basically I could, couldn't take a couple hits and the fact that I couldn't avoid hits in most situations because they could shoot you and – it's not like I could go back and play through like the previous level because there was no stage selection. It's that all those design flaws made me extremely frustrated playing the game and uh, it just took me fucking forever. And, and every death felt horribly unfair for the most part. So the little finicky things you're talking about, especially like the enemies not the enemies like being able to shoot you, even though the character models are not aiming at you, that's something that I wouldn't have noticed because I, it, this is a big thing about difficulty in games. Yeah, if you're gonna make your game hard, and you're gonna make like the interaction between your your player and their enemies like fraught, here's the deal. It has to be extremely fair to also be fun. Like exactly hard, hard game. Like that's part of the reason I've I've kind of bounced back against a lot of Mega Man games and, and certain classic retro games. I know people still love the Mega Man games, but like whatever. Uh, it's that I don't find that sort of like quarter eating idea to be all that fun, and uh, that the design has to be accommodating to me as a player. Uh, to get better with every death. And if the only lesson I learn from a death is, oh. Hope I get lucky I, next time. Yeah, I hope I get lucky next time. At that point, like, I just stop playing. Because, like, if yeah. I'm not learning a lesson with 90% of deaths. I'm not saying a, I'm not saying games can never make mistakes. I'm saying games should, more often than not, not make mistakes. And stuff like fast checkpointing and quick saves and... Um, and re- but, refilling and, and, health or something when you die, yes, like those smooth over, those smooth over where, the cracks. So where you can start a next stage with a sliver of health, and then be like, well, you can either if you didn't tier save, uh, you can either restart the game, or yeah. or or just keep fighting through, which is what. Which is what I did, and I probably would have never noticed a lot of these little uh, tweaks if I wasn't in situations that were in, in situations where I could only take uh, three to four hits and I'd be dead, and I had to beat the whole fucking long levels that way. So I started getting really good at parts of it, but would still notice that people would run in with their guns pointed, you know, perpendicular to me, and my, you know, my lady would go ah ah ah, and my health would go down. I was like, "Are you ki- like, how do I avoid this? How do I get past this? How yeah. can I beat this?" I, so I don't know if it's a bad port or not. This is a weird, this is a weird first episode to have because I don't know if and I haven't played the game in a decade, and I don't know if it's a bad port or not. But I will say that that was something that at the time 
I would have probably just gotten used to because I loved so much of the whole package. And, and then I, I found the whole the whole game really charming. I never found it too difficult. And that's the thing about like an easy game is that like an easy game, you can just kind of like, it, it doesn't clash. Its flaws don't show themselves. Um, like, uh, it's, yeah. it's why a lot of people, that's why a lot of people go through these big budget blockbusters or a lot of people sat through Dark Knight Rises and didn't even notice like massive plot holes. Um, or, you know, you listen to an album and like the music's so good that you didn't even realize that like they've kind of broken time signature a few times or something for no apparent reason. Like you don't necessarily notice pe- uh, stuff breaking the rules if you're having a good time and the transition between that is smooth. And so you weren't having a good time. So every tiny thing that has aged poorly was standing out like a red flag for you, which is sad. It's sad. It is because like this turned instead of like a, you know, fun game that I got to experience quickly and notice all of the positive points or pass over the the stuff that hasn't aged well, this turned into a fucking Super Meat Boy game, except with much longer stages and a level of precision that wasn't uh, set up by the game. So that's why it's almost kind of hard for me to tell, because I think there's there's level two stage one, which is basically a non-shooting mission. So I fucking loved it. <laughs> um, and you have to kind of figure out a puzzle of who to talk to. And you keep meeting all these, like, secret agents. And the movie is poking fun at a lot of, like, uh, secret agent pretension. And it takes place in the 60s. And it's got a really uh, smart uh, female protagonist, which every other character in the game talks down to. Which is both reflective in the 60s, but also kind of shitty just because that's kind of gamer culture. Is that, like, oh, well, we can have this female protagonist, but everyone should treat her like girls are bad at things. But that's but the, the, I felt like the game was self aware of that at the time. Like she would always find like a cunning it was a, a cunning remark uh, at, back at them to be like it's supposed to be self conscious of the fact that it's basically a girl Bond. It was, but it was people like talking like Bond. Everyone's like you're reckless, you're out of control, but damn, you're good at your job. And this one's like women can't be good at their jobs. Uh, and so even <laughs> yeah. though she even though she's rising past that, it is still like an entire game of people berating her. I imagine um, at I being like a woman. I so anyway, Spy is the Spy is a good adaptation of No One Lives Forever in a sense uh, because it's, it's oh yeah sort of it's sort of communicating the same ideas that No One Lives Forever was communicating where it's like uh, a woman that I mean apart from the fact that Kate Archer is supposed to be very sexy and people look down on her because of that. Uh, that that is obviously flipped, but everything else is very similar. Where people don't take her seriously because of her looks, they don't take her seriously because of her gender, they don't take her seriously because there's all these like suave classic agents around them. So like, why would you bother? And who are, who are all dying? And um, and obviously she uh, is rarely at risk and always comes out at top. But yeah, like that two one stage though is a great example of one that does uh, kind of upturn that because. Every code phrase that she has to say to these other agents to get more information and to sneak past this guard is, like, incredibly sexist bullshit of people hitting on them. And, like, the guy is, like, apologizing. Like, I am sorry. I don't know who keeps making us say <laughs> these code names. I Like, I, I – this by the end, he's like, this doesn't reflect who I am as a person. I'm sorry. I don't know who's doing these phrases. And they're like – that goes on and escalates really uh, – in a really funny way. And that was – you know, after the frustration of of 
the first so there was a sniper level and then it was somewhat of a breeze because i had all my health and i died a couple times and it felt you know bullshitty but it's like it's like the acceptable bullshitty like oh i didn't know that was coming i'm gonna prepare a little more and then i get past it but it was coming out of like a terrible level <laughs> where where I the first like feeling of, OK, I've done this 20 times. And then I got to this next level and it was this great little spy. And like I really, really enjoyed that. But then it went right into like the worst stealth I've ever experienced in a video game. So for the next few levels, then ended in that total clusterfuck of me almost quitting and being like, I couldn't get past uh, the second level. Uh, the stealth, stealth. So the one thing I'll say is the stealth is really bad uh, because stealth stuff ages like fucking milk. Though, like I think I would not like. I have trouble playing the original Metal Gear Solid. Even like I have trouble playing that compared to the new stuff because I'm like, wait, why can't I jump over the sledge? Why can't I? This is this is really bad though, and I don't know if it was this bad on PC. So it's really cool because it's like okay, you know, when they're doing the training, they're like. Remember, if you walk fast and you're standing upright and you're on certain material, you can hear the footsteps. And that's a great trigger in this game that you can hear enemies' footsteps as well, which I needed to use when I basically needed to have, like, future future speak. Or uh, I need to have future sense to, to shoot people before they even became visible uh, or else they would damage me regardless whether their guns were pointed at me or not. But um, so that's awesome. Uh, it's like, well, and if you duck down... They can't hear you. And I'm like, great, I'll probably move slower, right? Uh, you don't move slower. You move the same speed crouching. But if you barely flick the uh, the controller and then stop, so it's like a quick flick, and then you stop, and then you flick again, and then you stop, and then you flick again, you'll move without making a noise. So you are moving incredibly slow and with stops and starts. And it takes forever, and everyone else is walking at normal speed when you need to do stealth. So at first, I'm like, am I just terrible at this game? Because I felt pretty terrible at it. So I went and looked online. Everyone else online that is, like, posting these, like, run-throughs and guides is doing stealth that exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you I'm, Why wouldn't you just make it when you're ducking, you move slower? Why would you do that? And I'm pretty sure that's the way it is on PC. I don't remember doing anything, like, crazy except for just, like, you move slower. I guess, like... You didn't move slower, though. You had... It was just that then okay. you could flick it. So let's like take you... a step back real quick. I think that uh, uh, this is something that I, at the time, um, I remember a friend renting this game and telling me it was terrible. And then my brother bought this game. And I don't remember... I don't <laughs> I'm not listening like, to no friend. <laughs> but my brother bought this game and my brother said it was awesome and I was like okay I'll play it and at first I was like but Steve said it's bad um, <laughs> and then for a while I was playing it I was playing it as awesome and then my brother was like yeah I got kind of bored halfway through or whatever and I was like no it's awesome and I kept playing and kept playing and I just got obsessed with it man I played through the game seven times maybe six times like I just kept playing through it I tried it on higher difficulties it still felt good and I just feel like it was probably a game that was optimized for PC, but maybe it cost too much or something and they pushed it to PS2. And at the time, I, I just had trouble with – I had trouble a lot of times with PS2 shooters. I think PS2 and Xbox both, that generation of games did not handle shooters well. I mean, like, I don't think N64 handled shooters well either. Like, trying to play Goldeneye again is a fucking Yeah, but, disaster. like, I feel like Nightfire I, – I feel like Nightfire holds up, but again – I don't think it so. has. I don't think any of those games hold up. I, I played. So I played Nightfire a couple years ago. Um, oh really? I, 
it's still clumsy. And I played uh, the From Russia with Love game just like a year ago. Um, the one where Sean Connery voices him. He sounds really sleepy, doesn't he? Sounds like, yeah, he sounds like he could not care less. And like they woke him up and they tricked him into being the voice. But anyway, he was like, he was like, if I do this, I can afford the bigger mansion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. It's almost like it almost made me think his accent is fake because he was barely having his accent in that. Yeah. 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 He's like, was this an affectation? Because like now that you're kind of like, don't give a shit anymore. I don't, you're not putting it on. He's like, hi, I'm Sean Connery. <laughs> it just sounds like a tired old man, not a tired old Sean Connery. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think you're right in general. And some of that is like draw distance. But this was like, on, I don't want to blame it on port stuff. I'm just saying that I no, like no playing PS2 shooters at the time. either. Oh, and I played Half-Life the port for PS2 uh, just like three years ago. And I felt like I had a good time with it. But that has the that at least still has quick saves, which is really nice. So even when you're playing on PS2, that. That has the shitty thing of, like, health never regenerating, essentially. Uh, but at least there's, like, quick saves so you can get health and be like, okay, I can go right back to this point where I was all good, which you essentially can't do in this game. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm shitting on it. I I can see the appeal. And if I – like, if I had a cursor and if I had – or the auto lock worked, like, I could, I could still go, yeah, this was a dumb design and I – didn't like it but it wouldn't have affected me as much as it did like the 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 not having the auto aiming set the um the fact that there's like basically you can screw yourself with low health that then made me notice all these all these ways i was taking damage when i couldn't afford to uh and then there's like some of the other dumb stuff that like the stealth so it, it i loved first person shooters at this time i think probably well, probably if I would have played it, I never would have turned the auto lock off because I used to love auto lock. So I may have ended up loving it. But I, I feel like my experience was a shitty one that highlighted all the worst parts of a PS2 era game. I was almost like, man, I wish I had time. And I, I really didn't have time. So maybe we can circle back to it. But I, I was I don't like, want you to circle back on PS2. But we'll get to the dare. We'll get to the dare rating. After after your final thoughts, and uh, then I'll I'll, I'll uh, tell you something. So continue. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So we're gonna do this thing where we just basically say uh, our general dare rating, which is a I dared, which means I liked it, and or how dare you, which is I did not like it. Work. This is pilot episode, guys. Um, yeah, you can edit me guiding you to the dare rating. Also. Yeah. So. Sure. Yeah, no, so or, or I'll leave it in. I feel bad because I hate taking this dumb concept we had to give it one of these two buckets and and basically say, like, I don't – there's enough little stuff that I could see if I had basically died once or twice that I would have been much more positive on this game. But instead, it was like this gauntlet of frustration for me that I almost didn't even make it to complete it, that it's, it's, it's very hard. I'm going to say – I'm going to already undermine our, our dumb rating scale and say it's uh dare, dare to be surprised. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> What's a right, medium? So we need a medium rating, I think. Yeah, we, we maybe we need a medium rating, though. I uh, Dare to be all you can be. That might undermine um, some this of the fucking power show. But anyways, <laughs> okay. so, so I guess I guess based this, on my experience, I'd be I'd be uh, I'd be uh, how dare you? <laughs> so the the other question is. Would you pay it forward to somebody? I think I have the the 
the answer, probably, right? You wouldn't give uh, this to somebody and be like, you need to play this. I almost want to pay it forward to myself and try the next level with the auto-aim off and just be like, if if I go through that whole, all the different stages and have fun with it and don't have to deal with all the miserable moments, will I like it more? Because, yeah, this was this was a weird one because I feel like I'm not – there's definitely some problems with the game, which is, of course, to be expected from – uh, you know, a, a basically a 17-year-old PC, P, PS2 era game. But I also feel like I was playing my own version of the game that most people have not experienced. So uh, so I, I paid forward to myself. Yeah. So what I'll say to that is that I have the game on PC and I can ship you my copy if you'd like to try it out with all the advantages that the PC has and you can report back and say whether or sure. not you uh, still dig it. Can you also ship me your Windows 95 compatible computer? I'll tell you what, before you do all that, let me just play the next level with without with auto aim on because I basically didn't. Uh, I didn't play one level. It was only at the very end when I'm falling out of the airplane and there's like tiny dots on the screen. And I'm like, how the fuck? This is worse than the sniper level. How the fuck could anyone do this? This is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, wait. Wait a second. What did I do three days ago and seven hours of game time ago? Uh, yeah. Let's see if that changed. I do, I do feel like this is such a weird – this is such a weird fucking first episode where it's basically like, hey – Aaron set the game in a way that most people have never set it, and so it, it broke for him. This is the pilot. We got to get the rough edges out. So, um, so so we're reviewing – we're kind of reviewing Aaron's ability to understand what his game options should be set at in a video <laughs> game. So uh, what I'll say to, to you on that is that I'm sorry that you didn't have a world-class experience with it because this is a game – I feel bad. I know, you, I know you love it. I know you love this it. This is a game yeah. that has the dairy. I had a world-class experience with it. And when you bought it, I was so excited for you to play it. But at the time, we were knee-deep in Dark Souls shit. So I was like, you know what? No rush on that. I, I, it's not going to age any better. It's yeah. not going to age any worse. <laughs> like it's, a, it's a PS2 game. You know what you're getting into when you get Yeah. That. This is kind of a rabbit hole. But like, I do think all the Dark Souls has made my patience for like poor game design deaths very thin it was always pretty thin i will admit but like my my now like if i die to something five times in a row i'm like this is bullshit i'm much more likely to feel i think anger than i used to when i feel like half the video games i played were like well that was bullshit that's how games work yeah 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 i totally agree Again, I, I, I do think this is this is not the normal structure of the show, but I do think that I am going to play a little more at some point and report back and see if me uh, fixing some settings makes uh, a lot of the frustration fall away and let me appreciate uh, a lot a lot more of of, of the, what what the game has to offer. So, uh, so next week, Peter, you're about to hear your dare. I want to hit me. I had a lot of options, but like I said, this was kind of a uh, painful gauntlet for me. So um, I decided to go with. Uh, I want you to, Peter. <laughs> this is this is me trying to figure out a format. I know, I know, I know. You're like, it, you'd be like, uh, do you accept the? Uh, be like something like, do you accept the? Do challenge? you accept the challenge? <laughs> um, I accept the challenge, Peter. 
I dare yes. you to listen to all of Smash Mouth's first album, <laughs> Fushu Mang, and report back. <laughs> well, why See you, you next this? week. <laughs> oh, <See> no. <laughs> <laughs>